THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Creators like longtime listener and friend of the show, Carl Smith, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to the post, post landmark episode <laughs> 502 of the Two Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. On this week's post, post landmark episode, Matt and I dive into deep reviews of the return of Lucifer and Murder Falcon! I don't think the show could be any more satanic. I love it. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> After that, we'll review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then it's time for Dark Secrets. Dark Secrets. When we visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, we'll discuss our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, it's a doubleheader, nerds, where we host both Nerd TV and Nerd at the Movies. What? We have got to talk about DC's new Titan show and Venom. That's right. <laughs> But before we get this nerdy show on the road, we better talk about this week's nerd news. I mean, you said it pretty quiet already, but there you go. (laughs) DC Daily, the new DC video cast, has announced that Guardians of the Galaxy writer-director James Gunn's attachment to Warner Brothers Suicide Squad 2 is official. This is a huge win. It's Huge something. Huge win. It's something. Up your butt, Comicsgate. Huh? Well, what do you think of that? <laughs> and also up your butt, Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. In their episode we'll, from Thursday. We'll get to that in a little while. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, in their episode from Thursday, October 11th, the opening DC Daily News segment said that Gunn has been added as a, quote, new member of the DC family, yeah. identifying Gunn specifically as the Suicide Squad 2 writer, who is, quote, poised to bring a completely fresh take on the franchise. After the first film was such a colossal piece of shit written and directed by David Ayer. Yes. And it some was of that was I'm paraphrasing. That's not It was a colossal a piece quote. of shit. That is true. Okay? If you if you disagree, you're wrong. It's it's fine. I just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Gun that's not to say we can't like debate it, but we've talked about it at length already. Oh no, come at us, please. <laughs> Gun is reportedly in talks to direct the sequel as well, though that has not been confirmed. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's gonna good direct mo- it. I don't. Know. Why wouldn't they just yeah, let him direct it? They're not gonna bring him on and be like, "Well, thanks, James. We really appreciate it. We'll never talk to you again." You know, <laughs> come on, <laughs> right? Uh, this is a pretty big move for Warner Brothers. It's a pretty big win. Well, like you said, yeah, it is. And it's funny because Warner Brothers swore that Suicide Squad was a huge win for them. They're like, "No way! This is what the people wanted. We made the money. We proved all the haters wrong. See, I did, I, did they make the money? Did it. Yeah, it did. It oh, made okay. it made a good amount of money. And they're like, "Yep, market a win." And they're like. We're going to switch everything up completely. You know why? Because we feel like it. All right? Yeah. Uh, they got tired of Jared Leto sending used condoms to his coworkers oh. or rats with nails in their brains. Good Lord. Uh, yeah. Boy, Marvel must be feeling real dumb. We'll talk about that in a little while. That's a whole separate discussion. But yes. Yes, absolutely. When are we going to talk about it exactly? Um, On cover to cover, we'll talk about it. Oh, okay. We'll go into it there. That's a better place to go on that rant. Sure, sure. Uh, but this is like the second time they did it again this week. Mm-hmm. Marvel caved to militant bigots, right? Uh, by firing a popular Star Wars novelist, Chuck Wendig, right? Wendig, Wendig. It's like Wendigo, but without the O. Yeah. Yes. Uh, from an upcoming Star Wars miniseries. And we'll talk about that. But this is a huge win for DC. And DC, I don't know if it's out of desperation or course correction, because it feels like they've been course correcting for five years now. (laughs) At least. Since Wonder (laughs) Woman came out. Regardless, if you're going to make another Suicide Squad film, this makes me a little more excited for it. I don't need Harley there. If if you're going to spin her off into... You're going to have to deal with it. Harley's going to be there. See, but she's going to be in that Birds of Prey movie. So I think they're spinning her off there. And they keep threatening to make some Harley and Joker romance movie. No. Like, how can anyone look at that and go, yeah, romance? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, what I've re- read is that it's probably going to be mostly new characters, which is great. Yeah, uh, should be. I'm fine with it. And you know what? Kill them. Kill characters, just like you did in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'd be okay if Captain Boomerang were there. He was kind of okay. He can get killed. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> in other Hollywood news, the first details about showrunner John Favreau's Star Wars... 
show has been revealed. Sorry, I just <laughs> and I know how to write that. The series is called The Mandalorian and will air on Disney's upcoming streaming service, Disney Play. We all knew that. We saw the first image of The Mandalorian. It's He's a little darker and greener. He than looks Boba like Boba Fett. Fett in brown. He looks like a different Boba Fett, <laughs> right? And yeah. I, I wish they would just call it the Boba Fett and just refer to the whole race as the Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> Lucasfilm dropped that, and they also dropped a slate of directors primed to direct episodes for the first season. You've got Dave Filoni, who worked on uh, tons of their animated. A bunch stuff. of yeah, he worked on Clone Wars and he worked on Rebels. And he's, I think he's also doing the new one, uh, Resistance. I yes, think I believe. I, I don't know if he's attached to that or not. Deborah Chow, who did Jessica Jones, Rick Famuyiwa. Famuya. Yep, I think I said that right. Famu- <laughs> who did Dope? Bryce Dallas Howard, who is the daughter of Ron Howard and director of something called Soulmates. I didn't know she was a director. Never heard of it. Good for Bryce. Taika Waititi. What? Yeah. Of Thor fame. John Favreau is going to write and executive produce the show, but he has not been announced as a director. I mean, he'll probably direct it. I think he's just going to oversee the whole thing. Like J.J. Abrams oversees his stuff. You know what I mean? He doesn't make the TV shows, but he's there. Um, We need to talk about Mandalorians. Okay. Are they a race of aliens? Are they cloned Kiwis from New Zealand? Are they? Have we established well, what is a fucking Mandalorian in Star Wars since we I, wiped all that continuity away? I thought Mandalorians were more like. Uh, see, this is where Keith would come in handy. Okay, I can tell you in the <laughs> books in that the what they developed a while ago in books that may or may not count, but the Mandalorians were like humans, but they lived on another planet and they were like space Spartans, basically. Yeah, they were I thought badasses. it was like a, like, a, like a gang name. No, not so much a gang name. They were like a well, more like Spartans. Like they came from a place and they trained to become a Mandalorian and they were hired guns and they were neither good nor bad. They just were, you know, sure. and they fought for money and did cool shit, right? Is that what they are? Can anybody be a Mandalorian now? Because in episode 2, I guess, when we met that was one. Was that was one? one Mandalorian. That was Jango Fett and Boba Fett. That was right. it. But how is he a Mandalorian if he's not you know, one of these ra- aliens. I mean, he, he was a, a bounty hunter. He was just a dude. So, what are Mandalorians? Is what I need to know. What do you mean he was just a dude? He was They're just all a dude. aliens, man. They're then, from space. He, then they made a million of him to be stormtroopers. You know, like oh, well, yeah, that's true. There's such a mess here that I they need to that. clean up. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> they used. Does to be, that mean every stormtrooper's a Mandalorian? Yeah, I guess. I don't fucking know. I mean, that's just <laughs> it. Look, I, I think the best course of action is to not think too hard about what went on with Jango Fett and yeah. Boba Fett. No, we just need to just like, the Mandalorians, it. like you said, they're a group from a place. They're bounty hunters. I guess. Like, read the description. The, yeah. the, the Mandalorian will follow the travails of a lone gunfighter in the outer reaches of the galaxy, far from the authority of the New Republic. It takes place between Jedi and the Force Awakens in that long thirty-year gap, where we don't know anything about what happened. That's true. Yeah, so, I mean, I think all these shows are kind of going to take place in this. Well, I would expect. Yeah. So but I think it sounds awesome. No, it and sounds the, cool. And, and the list of creative people involved. ton of talent Taika Waititi. Wow. Yeah. That's surprising. TVs and new movies, man. You make more money. Moving on to comics. New Young Justice, Dial H for Hero, Wonder Twins, and Naomi? What the fuck is Naomi? I don't know. Uh, these titles will be part of a newly announced DC Comics imprint, here we go again, called Wonder Comics. Curated by DC's exclusive writer, Brian Michael Bendis. BM is just like exploding at DC. Yeah, DC's having an explosive BM BM right now. (laughs) Wonder Comics is described by Bendis as a personally curated line of teen-focused in-continuity comic books. That's good. And it's scheduled to debut in early 2019. I think it's really smart. They're doing it in continuity, so it feels like... Look, this isn't like a kid stuff. The line will be anchored by a new Young Justice book starring Impulse... Superboy and Robin. Now, this is the part that excites me. It's Bart Allen, Connor Kent, and Tim Drake. Yeah. I don't understand. I know. What are we doing here? I don't understand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, if, for those of you that read The Flash, uh, you know that at the end of The Flash War, Impulse suddenly appeared from the time stream, Wally West style, like he'd been missing. Right. And uh, they have yet to explain what the fuck. <laughs> and I'm very eager to know more about and this. And Connor Kent, we have not heard. Connor Kent does not exist in this continuity. hair from well, in I don't know how long. There was a new 52 
sort of version, but he ended up he was like some sort of weird criminal. Well, they leaned they leaned way into the full on clone. Or he was like the daughter of he was like the daughter of Lois Lane from the future. I don't know. How is he Lois Lane's daughter? A son. I mean, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Like I don't remember that part of the book. But yeah, that was in that terrible Teen Titans re- right. relaunch by Scott LaBelle. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Tim Drake I, is around. But Tim Drake is around, uh, but he's calling himself Red Robin. This just refers to him as Robin. Yeah. I'm into it. What the hell? Uh, Patrick Gleason is going to be doing the art. Love that. Amethyst is going to join the title. I have a secret like love for Amethyst. I and, uh, will the never first, understand anyone's secret love of Amethyst. Uh, the first story arc will involve Amethyst's homeworld, gem world, invading the earth. Uh, and then Bendis did say that there would be an Amethyst title coming from the second wave of these books coming down the line. So this is his chance to jump back into Miles Morales, Riri Williams. Yeah, yeah, kind of teen, his he teen likes, wheelhouse. He's, well, I mean, he's always liked writing stuff like that, though. And he's always done it a little edgy. It's never been like kiddie books, you know. They, there's Yeah. Like Miles Morales went through some hardcore stuff as Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, Riri and, Williams. And Peter Parker, the Peter Parker Ultimate Spider-Man as well. Like he's yeah. known for the, like he built his fame at Marvel on the back of this like teen torturing theme. kids. Yeah, great. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Naomi, which I don't, I couldn't quite find a description of it. Uh, Naomi will be written by Bendis and David Walker. Brand new character. I think so. Drawn by Jamal Campbell. Uh, Wonder Twins will be written by Mark Russell of Flintstones fame. People are unreasonably excited about this. Yeah. Uh, Who really gives a shit about the Wonder Twins? Dude, I love the Wonder Twins. Like, (laughs) I'm into it. Uh, That book will be drawn by Stephen Byrne. Dial H for Hero is written by Sam Humphreys and drawn by Joe Quinones. 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 Uh, There will also be new characters. I like a little salsa verde on my Quinones. (laughs) The line will also debut new characters such as Jenny Hex. What? Descendant of Jonah Hex. <laughs> okay. And Teen Lantern, I, a young woman who has hacked a Green Lantern power battery. I hate that name. Well, I mean. Teen Lantern. They might not call they her that. They better not call her that. That's it's like uh, dumb. in uh, them Marvel referring to him as Kid Cable. <laughs> right. Yeah. Stop it. Like, I get it. He's younger. Stop. Uh, so this news dropped last weekend at New York Comic Con. We obviously missed the show last week, so I thought it was really important for us to touch on it. I think it's really exciting. It sounds great, and I like that they're just freaking out with it. Let's go nuts. Let's have fun. And just dropping, like, we sat here and went, what? Connor Kent? What? Yeah, Bart I, Allen? What? Right. I mean, like, that's fun. That's really fun stuff. And this is a great place for those characters who have been all but forgotten. Right. The uh, promo art that they showed uh, by Jamal Campbell uh, had uh, like a, 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 a mashup of all the characters like flying through the air, being all crazy. And um, Dial H, the character that I assume is from Dial H for Hero, is tangled up in the cord and the H dial is a rotary phone, which <laughs> I thought was really funny. <laughs> okay. So I don't know how that's going to work. All but right. Yeah. Uh, I think this is great news. For me, the return of these characters that we've been missing from the new uh, from DC for seven years, yeah, is very interesting. It's and a great place for all these characters. I, you could bring back Connor Hawk. You could bring back Stephanie Brown. You could bring back I mean, just like all these characters that we forgot about that are just gone. This is a wonderful place. For I don't even care if you de-age them. That's fine. Yeah, I'm into it. One hundred percent. That is your nerd news for the week, but there's probably a ton of stuff we missed. So hit us up on the THM Forum's big news section or better yet. Check this out. You can call us every Saturday from 1130 to 1230 Central Standard Time and talk to us live on THN cover to cover. It's like sports talk radio, but for nerds, and we can't do it without you. Call us 402-819-4894, or you can leave us a message at any time. You can also send us an MP3 to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com. Scream at us. Make fun of us. Tell us we're idiots. Don't do that. Yeah. Call the SWAT team. Send it to our house. SWAT us. I don't want that. Yeah. (laughs) It's review time in the ziggurat. Matt, are you ready to pretend like anyone actually cares about our opinions on a couple of this week's funny books? Do it every week. My review for this week is Lucifer. Number one from DC Vertigo or DC Vertigo Sandman Universe. I'm not even really sure. With it's D- art is DC Vertigo. Okay. Written by Dan Waters with art by Max and Sebastian Fiumara. We're not sure if they're brothers or father and son. Either way, it's adorable. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. 
Lucifer is missing. Having embarked on a dangerous journey to find the mother of his abandoned son, the Prince of Lies finds himself imprisoned and crippled by mysterious forces who seek to torment him for their own terrible ends. Meanwhile, a car has crashed. Two witches blind themselves. A tumor speaks its first words. And a perfectly good bowl of oatmeal is left to go cold. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of how the book went. I'm going to be really honest. I'm on record as a huge fan of Mike Carey's Lucifer series from the early 2000s, which took the character from Neil Gaiman's Sandman and made him a nightclub owner in downtown L.A. It was quirky. It was fun. It was an interesting look at humanity through the eyes of God's favorite fallen angel and the kind of book that represented all of my fondest Vertigo memories. The spirit of Lucifer, the series of old, is definitely here. And I'm eternally thankful that Dan Waters isn't trying to give us an adaptation of the soulless, snarky Lucifer TV show, which I think is canceled. It got saved. Saved by Netflix. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I shit you not. I'm crapping you negative. Here, Waters fully embraces the new DC Sandman U and drops Lucifer into a very Sandman-esque fairy tale prison that makes the reader and Lucifer wonder if maybe we've lost our minds. While Lucifer tries to summon his senses and escape his prison, Max and Sebastian Fiumara do a really wonderful job on art. But something was just missing here. A couple weeks ago, I gushed about the new Dreaming series and how maybe it should be a little dense and hard to follow for new readers. But with this issue, that same density pushed me away a little bit. I wasn't expecting a recreation of Mike Carey's book, but this first issue spent too much time in the fairy tale fantastic and not enough time reminding me of the character that I used to love. I can only give this a skim it. You know, I felt like I was missing something. Right? Uh, and and I wasn't surprised because I never read Lucifer. But like the whole time I read it, I was like, should I understand what's going on? And, yeah. I, and I didn't. I read Lucifer and I also didn't understand what was going on. This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about these books being too impenetrable for yes. new readers. And I'm not going to sit here and say you're absolutely right, but you might be right here. I am absolutely right. I am absolutely you right. You might be right this one Once time. again, Joe Patrick is right. First it was Venom. Now it's this. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a skim it just because I didn't know what the fuck was happening. And yeah. like the art is great. The art is yep. great. The art was wonderful. And and maybe the story will fill itself out and, and you know, I'll be able to keep up. But like as a first issue, I was just like, I didn't really feel like there was any reason for me to come back. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're expecting to grab anybody here. Joe Patrick, enough of this bullshit. Fairy tales and eldritch prisons. Can we please just talk about something we can all agree on? Metal. Absolutely. <laughs> My review for this week is Murder Falcon. Number one. That's how you have to say it. You have to. Yes. This is from Image Comics, written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson. Colors by Mike Spicer. Letters by Russ Wooten. Some of the letters, anyway. We'll get to that. A few of the letters. Edited by Ariel Basich and Sean Makowitz. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. The world is under attack by monsters, and Jake's life is falling apart. No band, no girl, no future. Until he meets Murder Falcon! He was sent from the heavy to destroy all evil, but he can't do it without Jake shredding up a storm. Now, with every chord Jake plays on his guitar, the power of metal fuels Murder Falcon into an all-out kung fu fury on those that seek to conquer Earth. It's time to shred. (laughs) Man, that took a lot out of me. Yeah, it Uh, really did. In a world where monster attacks are terrorizing the city, Jake is a down-and-out guitarist without much going on for him. He's alienated all but a few friends, his band broke up, and his guitar is smashed to pieces. That all changes when a giant bug monster invades his apartment and Murder Falcon chooses Jake to be his partner in the battle against the forces of evil using the power of metal. The concept is ridiculous, let's be honest. But creator Daniel Warren Johnson injects unexpected depth into a story that could easily be an absurd slugfest with very little plot. And honestly, that's what I was expecting. As the story progresses, we learn that Jake has suffered a profound loss and he has pushed away the only things that matter to him in his grief 
And now, Murder Falcon has entered the picture, giving Jake's life new purpose. Johnson's art is phenomenal. His character designs are distinct and full of personality, and his creatures are creepy and gross. His thick lines almost look like they're vibrating during the action scenes. Like, you can tell how hard Jake is shredding during battle. Johnson also uses awesome hand-drawn sound effects, uh, much like the one you're about to hear. Mike Spicer's colors bring it all to life. What I thought was going to be a sea bear and grizzly shark style mindless romp turned out to be a surprisingly thoughtful examination on loss, grief, and the power that music has to push back against darkness, but with plenty of old vans, giant monsters, and power cords too. I loved Murder Falcon number one. I'm giving it a huge buy it. For the record, I did not interrupt you once. I've been accused of doing so by I, I, reviews. I, you know what? I so noticed. I just, I just sat here and I shut the fuck up. All right? I want you to know that I noticed. <laughs> okay, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> All right. I also loved Murder Falcon. And for every reason you just said, I went into this thinking like, this is going to be a fun romp and it's going to be dumb at best. But yeah, hopefully hopefully it's kind of funny and dumb. And that's like, all and that I, I wasn't, hoped for. I wasn't there was dismissing. There was a real heart here. There was a real heart to this, and it was what? actually very well written and crafted and not at all what I expected. I got to say, this was a treat. I'm also giving Murder Falcon a huge buy. Yeah, and none of that is to say that if it had been just a silly romp, I still would have loved it. Right. Yeah. But it was just, it was so thoughtful. It was unexpected, and yeah. that's what was great about it. Yeah. Buy a real it treat. As well. So that is a double skim it for number one and a double buy it for Murder Falcon. We will post our written views over blueheadednerd.com so they can ruin our reputations much later in the future when you take stuff out of context and make us look bad with them. <laughs> we want to know also what you nerds thought about these comic books. So call us, email us, tweet at us, Facebook us, write your opinions on a pristine copy of Walking Dead, number one, because I sold mine a while ago when I thought I could make some cash and I need that shit back. Can't afford it. So go ahead and write it on the outside, though, or on the backboard or maybe on the actual bag itself and send it to us. Uh, maybe on the outside of the CGC 10.0 plastic cup. That works for me. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, yeah. What we're saying is we want to hear your opinions on these comics books, too. So hit us up on the forums or call us every Saturday morning. From 11.30 to 12.30 Central Time, 402-819-4894. Talk to us on Cover to Cover. Give us your thoughts. In the name of science! Science! Matt and I have infected ourselves with alien symbiotes. Science! To prove that not only can we handle the parasite, felt like doing it again. Yeah, but we can use them to review eight more of this week's comics at impossible speed. During the ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed! Go! X-Men Black Mystique, number one from Marvel. While I didn't give two shits about the first X-Men Black Magneto special. Yeah, right? John and McGuire's Mystique story is very well written, showcasing the interesting side of a character that we don't get very often anymore. Marco Falla is great on art here with a style that reminds me of Carmine Gian Domenico. This was a nice side story that refocused one of Marvel's best and most complicated villains. I'm really looking forward to reading more from McGuire, by the way. This gets a surprising buy it from me. Uh, it's Carmine DG on Domenico. Oh, that's right. DG on Domenico. I apologize. I learned Shuri, to- number one from Marvel. I learned to spell that dude's name in one of our very first episodes. <laughs> the breakout character from Ryan Coogler's Black Panther film is now in our own ongoing series. I appreciated how writer Nieri Okorafor merged aspects of the movie version with Shuri's existing character from the comics, even if her script is a little wordy. The art by Leonardo Romero and Jordi Belair is really lovely. This was a nice bit of lighthearted fun, and I enjoyed it. Shuri number one gets a buy it. Just saying I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was great. I just thought it was fine. Well, I didn't say it was great. I just said it was fun and lighthearted and I liked it. I'm giving a skim it. Justice League number 10 from DC. 
The world is being flooded with weird alien purple water that turns people into water demons and Batmans in a full body cast, which leads me to believe that I missed Yeah, something. dude, haven't you been reading Justice League? <laughs> no, I'm behind. Batman had his <laughs> arms and legs broken. Regardless, Francis Manipal draws the hell out of this book, and there is a ton of Scott Snyder madness going on here. Firestorm shows up, not the new 52 one. Adam Strange is here. Ancient ocean-dwelling aliens are drowning the Earth, leading into the Drowned Earth event. And I don't remember the last time Justice League was this goddamn good. I'm giving it a buy it. This is the first issue of Justice League that I actually managed to understand everything that was happening. I loved it. Nightwing, 51 from DC. I haven't been reading Nightwing, but following the character's recent trauma in the pages of Batman, I felt compelled to jump on and see where the story goes. Unfortunately, it's just in time for new writer Scott Lobdell to join the book. Yeah. On the bright side, Fabian Nicieza is here providing dialogue. Travis Moore and Gary Brown split art duties here, and there's a real disconnect between their two art styles. They're both talented, but I'm not even sure why this book needs two artists. They did it in number 50 as well, and it doesn't make any sense where they split. I'm not sure I like the new direction for Rick Grayson, but Nightwing 51 isn't quite the train wreck I was expecting. I'm giving it a skim it. It still felt rushed. I don't know. It just felt rushed to me. Well, I don't know what you mean by rushed. Like, they've been planning this for a long time. No, I know, but, like, the two artists and stuff, the way that it looks put together, it just felt like they yeah, smashed I, it I together. did not, and, and I, do I don't not understand, it. yeah, I do not it, understand the choice to have multiple artists. It makes it feel artists. like one guy couldn't finish the job, so we had to get another guy. You know, but just, they, they did it with number 50 as well, and that was a different two artists. It still doesn't work for me. I don't know. No, care. I, I agree. Aquaman, 41, DC, Matt's all in on this crossover. Dan Abnett has been nothing short of wonderful writing Aquaman, and this tie-in to the Drowned Earth storyline takes Arthur off the board and puts a focus on his bad-ass ginger wife, Mira. Vincent Cifuente's art was a little sparse at times here, but not bad by any means. I love Mira, and Abnett does a fantastic job establishing her as a complete badass heroine and ruler of Atlantis in Arthur's absence. Aquaman is better than I ever remember this title. I am giving it a huge buy it. Speaking of gingers, Captain Ginger, number one from (laughs) Ahoy Comics. Like all Ahoy Comics, Captain Ginger is packed full of content. Aside from the main story by Stuart Moore and Power Pack's June Brigman, there's a prose story by Grant Morrison with illustrations by our man Phil Hester. Hey. A, a Too Much Coffee Man strip by Shannon Wheeler, interviews, and more. Unfortunately, the main story about a group of super-evolved cats in space didn't really grab me. <laughs> there are lots of big sci-fi ideas, and Brigman's art is nice, but the cat jokes just wore me down after a while. Captain Ginger, number one, gets a skim it. The Last Space Race, number one, from Aftershock. Peter Calloway is not a name I recognize, but based on his first issue here and his Aaron Sorkin-esque dialogue in this story of Tony Stark meets Elon Musk, a character chasing what might be an alien signal, I am ready for more. Alex Shabao... Shibau. Yes, Alex Shabau is great here with thick-lined art and real emotion humanity for each character. This was a smart sci-fi comic done really well with a very optimistic tone that you don't see anymore. I'm giving it a huge buy it. Exor Sisters, number one from Image. Yeah. That name is terrible. Get it? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> They're exorcists that They're are sisters. Terrible name. Twin supernatural detectives Kate with a C and Kate with a K Harrow solve demonic crimes. Fiance abducted from the altar by demons on your wedding day? Call Harrow and Harrow. It's a compelling concept from writer Ian Boothby with bright Archie-esque art by Giselle Lagache and colors Pete Penzaz. I think it's Lagasse, like Emerald Lagasse. No, there's a bunch of accents in it that just didn't translate over. I still think it's Lagasse. I think it's Lagache. (laughs) Uh, and colors by Pete Pentazis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right either, that contrasts with the hellish happenings. This was a fun PG-13 kind of horror comedy, and I think it's going to appeal to fans of things like Buffy or the Archie horror stuff. Exorcisters number one gets a bite. It was fun. Decapitated! That is your ludicrous speed round, and 
Decapitated <sighs> is the sound of Murder Falcon kicking the head off of a giant bug monster. What As else would it sound like, though? I, I mean, know, honestly. right? <laughs> As seen in the pages of Murder Falcon number one. This onomatopoeia of the week was suggested by me because we took a week off and I forgot to ask. You son of a... Come on. I know. You have one job. I know. I have many jobs. <laughs> if you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can kick it at our heads uh, by sending an email to twitternerd at gmail.com or any of our social media platforms, and there are many. Now that we've had our fun with our symbiotic friends, it's time to peel these suckers off with some extremely loud sludge metal, courtesy of the two-powered sound system of Gorgoroth that we keep in the Teachin' Sanctum Sanctorum. Joe. Tube-powered? Yeah, it's got tubes. Okay. Yeah. Joe, we better tell these nerds about our must-read picks for next week before we have to deal with all those moloids we ate during the ludicrous speed round. You gotta keep your Woo! body fueled, my man. <laughs> My pick for next week is Books of Magic, number one, from Image Comics, written by Cat Howard, with art by Tom Fowler. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Timothy Hunter may be destined to become the most powerful magician in the universe, but he's still a London teenager, and having magical abilities complicates things more than it helps. It's not like he can use magic to pass his exams, stop being bullied, or convince his cute friend to date him. And while Tim's trying to live his life, there are cultists who want to kill him. Hot damn. If I had a nickel. They believe his power will eventually corrupt him into becoming a merciless mage. Which is typically what happens. Yeah. Oh, and those are the good guys. Luckily, his new substitute teacher is more than she appears and may be able to help Tim discover the mystery behind the books of magic. Super fun. I like books of magic. They're kind of um, resetting him a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like Because in the more recent series, he had grown. Right. I love Tom Fowler. I, I love do too. Tom, Tom Fowler. Tom Fowler's really good. I don't know no Cat Howard, but- I don't either. I don't- We should have looked where she came from. Huh. Uh, you know. Why start now? Why start preparing now? Uh, I suppose that's true. But uh, yes, I am excited for this. Uh, I got a soft spot in my heart for this- uh, Little Harry Potter ripoff. <laughs> I still have my whole. I think Harry Potter came. Harry after. Potter was later. Yeah, <laughs> I still have my whole books of magic run. I love that run. Matt, what's your pick? My pick for next week is Mars Attacks, number one from Dynamite, written by Kyle Starks. I love it. With Sex art Castle. by Chris Schweitzer, thirty-two pages for three ninety-nine. Here's your solicit. Spencer hasn't finished a dang thing in his life. So when he goes to visit his dad to see if maybe he can borrow some money, the last thing on his mind is global survival. Now, Spencer and his father are on the run trying to avoid being space raid. <laughs> They've got a little apostrophe by the D. I love it. By a bunch of destruction-happy Martians, heck bent on zapping them dead. Oh, heck! This is the perfect book for Kyle Starks to write. Perfect. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I will say Dynamite has done a lot of shitty Mars Attack stuff in the past, but... <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it could be fun. I'm picking it. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> Every once in a while, they stumble upon a, yeah. a creator that <laughs> even a stopped clock, right? You yeah. know. Uh, no offense to anybody that works for Dynamite. I'm, you guys are all very talented. Mad offense. <laughs> Mad offense to most of you. <laughs> Your lazy fucking time travel stories. Come on. <laughs> the THN trade of the week goes to uh, look. We've liked Dynamite books in the I'm past. I'm not saying we haven't, but all they do is fucking travel time. Oh, Red Sonya's here. Oh, she's hanging out with Tarzan. <laughs> hey, oh yeah, they're doing again. Aren't they about to do a Red Sonia Vampirella crossover? I think they've already done four. The THN trade of the week is Gideon Falls Volume 1, The Black Barn. It's a trade paperback from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Andrea Sorrentino. It's super fucking creepy. Yep. It's 160 pages for $9.99. That's Here is stupid your stupid dumb cheap. Yes. Here is your very interesting solicit. Picked up for TV by Hivemind after a multi-studio bidding war with longtime producing partners Sean Daniel and Jason Brown, bad robot veteran Kathy Ling, and former Valiant Entertainment CEO and Chief Creative Officer Dinesh Shamdasani. Come on, guys. <laughs> anyway, buy it. Does this make you want to read the book? Oh, it was picked up for TV? Oh, shit. Oh, man, here's my 10 bucks. <laughs> you and else was picked up for TV? God friended me. That show is fucking stupid. Thank you. Uh, here's a little bit more navel-gazing. From the best-selling creative team behind Old Man Logan and Green Arrow comes a character-driven meditation on obsession, mental illness, and faith. The legend of the Black Barn, an otherworldly building alleged to have appeared and reappeared throughout history, bringing death and madness in its wake, ensnares and entwines the lives of two very different men. Plus, 
This collection includes a variant cover gallery from some of comics' best artists, including Cliff Chang, Jock, and Scotty Young. And, and more. Don't forget more. And yeah. more. Yeah, I love Moore's work. Uh, Gideon Falls is fantastic. It's really super creepy. It sort of um, reminds me of like Twin Peaks theme of like the Black Lodge, yeah, which yeah, would yeah, appear yeah. and was sort of like this may or may not be a dimensional gate where these fucking terrible people can come out. They're like, oh, man, it's super creepy. I and love it. And it's got this kind of split narrative between yeah. uh, the, uh, I forget the guy's name in the city and uh, the well, priest. And it's. It's not just a split narrative in like city and like country. It's like the past and the present yeah, yeah. as well. It's really it's, good. It's really scary. There's our picks, but we want to know what you nerds are reading too. Maybe we are missing something good, although I doubt it. And as always, nah, we cover it. Once you do the right thing, add these picks to your pull files, kids. And if you hate them, call us next week. Yell us about it. You're not getting any fucking money from us, so forget it. Yeah, we do not offer a money back. Yeah, guarantee. we take your money. It doesn't go the other way. Okay, it's an arrow that points at us. That's it. That's <laughs> <laughs> how it works. Yes. Yeah. It's time for a double dose of big screen, small screen action. Double dose! <laughs> Science! <laughs> Ladies and gentle nerds, welcome to the first combination. Nerd TV, nerd at the movies. Nerd at the TV movies. I gotta find that, uh, I'm at the combination Taco Bell pizza. <laughs> You're at the Taco Bell? What? You're at the pizza? What? <laughs> DC's Titans hit the DC Universe app last night and Netflix for the entire rest of the world that doesn't have to pay for a separate fucking app. Yeah, fuck you. God damn it. It's Eat like, shit, Canada. It's like, it's like DC is just like <laughs> slapping us around like abused spouses. It's going to be the same freaking thing on the Disney one. I'm yeah. sure of it. No, no, it's not. They already said, nope, you got to come here. This oh, is where okay. we're doing it. All right. Well, that's no deals good. with anybody else. Boom. All right. Good. They're not mamby pambies like Warner Brothers. <laughs> that's right. And of course, Venom set a new box office record despite Matt's brilliant predictions of failure. That's right. Nerd bet. Nerd this bet. Goes to show how dumb you are, America. It made two hundred million dollars <laughs> in three days. No, it made eighty million dollars worldwide. Two hundred million. Oh, in three worldwide. Days. Okay. The rest of the world doesn't count. We already established that. That's sorry, Jimmy um, Randall. America first. Sorry, Lord Fungus. America first. We Joe. don't count opinions by anybody that doesn't live in the states. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Matt, what did you think of Titans? You know what? I We all went into Titans dreading this. Heck yeah. Absolutely dreading this. And I have to say, when it was over, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. it I, was, I really didn't hate it. It's too dark. It is definitely too dark. Uh, people online and people on our own uh, uh, fan page are saying, oh, but the Titans book has done dark stuff. Like, they have. And they have. The Titans book in the 80s dealt with a lot of serious themes. Yeah. Oh, there was but it was never a and dark book. No. It it's was, a bright, shiny superhero book. Yes. And it was shiny superheroes dealing with very dark things. Right. And staying it's, very bright. Right. The characters know? themselves were not gritty. Right. Uh, and so this is tonally a bit jarring. But I got to say, I liked the actors. The story. The only one I didn't really care for was Raven. See, I thought Raven was pretty good. She I just screamed through the whole episode. Well, yeah, but I believed her. She's a confused, scared sure, little girl. Sure. Yeah, She's yeah. like 15. Yeah, we just need to get more from her than like shrieking at I things think, that are happening and running I around. I think we will, but right now she just found out she's possessed, maybe. I don't really... Something. I can't really tell what's going on with her Well, powers. she's the daughter of Trigon. They confirmed that the whole... Uh, oh, they're definitely going for that. You can yeah, tell. Yeah, like it's it's going to And there's happen. like cultists that are coming after her that are obviously like Brother Blood's people, right? Well, I thought that at first, but... They seem to be on the side of good, or at least they were trying to prevent Trigon from entering I mean, I guess. our dimension. Yeah, this was definitely just as gritty as we thought it was going to be. Right. Now, I will address like the major thing everybody freaked out about in the trailer it was when Robin murders an entire you know alley full of people. And it, I don't know. It doesn't if, look like he does. I don't know if they softened it or they just. I think plucked they, out the, the editing most, of the trailer looks Yes, they plucked out the most brutal, brutal part yeah. of the trailer and slapped it all together because the actual fight scene looks like stuff that Robin does in the comics. I mean, there were some times, like, he, it was brutal. Yeah. He was excessive. 
but that's part of the development of the character, I think. And I sure. appreciated that. Uh, the whole arc of this character is about him uh, trying to get away from Batman because he was afraid he was becoming too much like yeah. Batman. So let me being ask you this. too violent. Why is he not Nightwing? Jeff John said that this show will show his transition to becoming Nightwing. Okay, because it doesn't make sense to have him run around the Robin costume. If he's trying to get away from Batman, you know, and like Robin, in my mind, is not a guy that grabs a dude and runs his face along broken glass Yeah, shit. Right. Like, come on, like maybe Nightwing. Maybe I could see Nightwing doing that and being like, Jesus, I got to dial this back. I'm trying to get away from Batman, but I'm still turning into Batman or whatever, you know? Yeah. But I, it just doesn't make sense for him to be Robin, be a cop, and look like he's 15 years old. Yeah, the age thing is weird. He uh, looks like the youngest cop in and, the world. Yeah, it's Dick Grayson, teen detective. Right. Like, he, 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 they bring in Raven, who is obviously a 15, 16-year-old girl. Yes. And looks great. High school. She's got dumb blue hair. She's a little goth kid, you know, whatever. And, like, she sits down across from Dick Grayson, and, and he looks like, oh, you're a sophomore and I'm a junior. We're not supposed to be hanging out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's gifted. Right. I don't know. He just, and he's not bad. He's really good in the role. I thought the performance was good. He just looks impossible. He's very young. young. I mean, and that's... I'm going to say he's 25. 23 to 25. I'm, I'm going to say, say he's 15. I'm going to say that he's in his early to mid-20s. He's like Doogie Hauser cop. But at the same time, I don't know how quickly you go from being a cadet to an officer right. to, a to a detective. Yeah. Uh, especially if you've probably only been policing for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not real clear <laughs> on that. Yeah, it was a little funky, but I but I liked him. I thought he looked cool in the costume. The costume thought he looks moved great. really well. Yeah, yep. The choreography of the action was was awesome. I still don't understand what Raven's power is here, but it seems to be more like the Raven we're getting right now in the Titans, right? Yeah, it's more demony. Yeah, like in the eighties, she was more of like an empath. Like she, right. She could like absorb emotions yeah. and and, and redirect she could project them her soul like self out. <laughs> yeah, right. Like energy, she absorbed him. Like with I don't gunshots. feel good, and she would redirect it at she you. She absorbed your emotional bullets and <laughs> yeah. shot them back at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that the actress that played Starfire was very good. I thought she was great. I thought that the characterization of Starfire was very off. Well, I'm not clear on what's even going. She's got on amnesia. With her. Okay. Um, is she an alien? I don't know. I don't know. She doesn't know either. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll find out. But uh, see, part of me was like, does she have amnesia or did she just jump into this body? Or no, no. like, uh, no, she has I wasn't amnesia. Real clear on it. She woke, like they said, she woke up in the, she woke up in the car. I was high as a kite when I watched it. No, so. <laughs> with no <laughs> memories. <laughs> she seems to revel a bit in uh, slaughtering people. Yeah. <laughs> Which was not cool. Sort of. I thought that the performance was excellent. She yeah. she did great. And she looked good. She um, she really did look good. And honestly, it would be silly if she was an orange-skinned woman in a bikini. Right. And I think I also read that she's going to get a proper costume just like oh, I'm sure. the rest of the team. There seems to be an in-story reason why she's dressed sort of like a hooker. <laughs> yeah. In a in a skimpy dress and a flowing fur coat. Yeah, I, they sort of insinuate that she's like undercover kind or of, something. Kind of, yeah, right. I don't know. We don't really get anything from Beast Boy. We no, just have just a introduction, brief glimpse, but and it was that's a, fine. But it was a cute introduction, and yeah. it looked really well, and the transformation was really good. The transformation was cool. Yeah, it looked like, and I like when he transforms back, he's naked. That yeah. makes sense. Sure. It doesn't make sense that he turns into a canary, and then he turns back, and he's wearing his costume. That sure. doesn't make sense. You're right. <laughs> um, the one thing that I, this was just a, a, a continuity thing uh, that bugged me. Uh, in the comics, Beast Boy changes like, yeah. Transitions quick, pop, pop. And maybe he'll get there. And maybe he will. Maybe but this is like more of a slow, torturous kind of this like. American Werewolf in London. Bones yeah. popping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, distended face. I mean, it was gross. But I thought he looked cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the effects were cool. The The controversial moment from the trailer, the fuck Batman moment. It worked. Totally worked in the context it of that worked. scene. Yeah. Uh, I loved the, the reaction of the thugs when he shows up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah, there's a great scene where like Robin shows up and he's like, I'm only looking for this guy. And they're like, oh shit, is Batman here? And they're looking around, they're like, okay, so Batman's not here. All right. Yeah, let's kill this kid. <laughs> yeah. um, so I do, I you know, I have some reservations about the tone, but I think it's successful so far. Yeah, I it was way better than I thought it was going to be. When it was over, I said out loud, I think I liked that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for more. Same here. Uh, it's a watch it. Yeah, we're giving it a watch it. There we go. Listeners. 
Big news. We have a new sponsor. What? Some idiot's throwing us money? Yeah. Oh my God. A lot. Ugh. A lot of money. Frankly, it could have gone towards his Patreon, but uh, it's somebody you might be familiar with. A little friend of mine named Carl D. Smith. Never heard of him. AKA Camarillo Brillo. Oh, why didn't you just say that in the first place? That's right. He is the star of such illustrious podcasts as Make Eternia Great Again, which is all about He-Man, and Goad Kicker. And he has a new Patreon where he is putting up all sorts of fun stuff to do with his writing and gaming adventures. The URL is patreon.com slash Carl D. Smith. And this is what you're going to be able to find there. Patron only access to full stories, fun gaming events, breaking news, and even occasional swag. Patrons pay as low as a buck a month. It's charged month to month. There's no long-term commitment. As with all patrons, you can come and go as you please. But it's not just for people that want to pay. There's also free content for public users, including updates and samples of projects that are in the works. Carl has three levels, he calls them, of his work. Uh, One is his all-ages level, where he's got projects like Draw Your Own Adventure and Bigfoot Jones. Uh, He's got uh, something that's appropriate for most ages, horror books like (laughs) most ages most ages uh his horror anthology the horror of loon lake and uh, be careful what you wish for he also has play your own adventure which is a line of game books hex card based solo adventures and full tabletop rpgs then he's got his teen plus stuff only for grown-ups kids his horror books, The Darkness Out of Carthage, which is like Lovecraft meets the Punic Wars. It's fun stuff. Historical fiction. And he's got an upcoming fantasy series, Cardinal Fates. Go to the Patreon now. They're currently in the middle of a live playthrough of his first Play Your Own Adventure gamebook. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure style branching path novella with RPG staples like character creation and dice rolling. All the money you throw to Carl goes exclusively towards leveling up his work. Being able to get his name out there, get uh, his promotion going, it includes uh, tabling at conventions, uh, being able to travel and set up at shows, and all the feedback and encouragement is appreciated, and it's going to fuel his productivity. Guys, Carl's a great writer. He's, he's a, a cr- great guy. He's a creative juggernaut. He this, is seriously. a huge supporter of this show, and he has been since almost the beginning. He made just. A, he recently made a huge life choice to really chase this, too. And, like, honestly, I think it's absolutely worth throwing some money at this guy, not just because he's a friend of ours, but because he's taking a chance. Okay, folks? Go throw some money at Carl's. He quit his job. His family is in a disarray. He quit his job. He ditched his family. If Bigfoot Jones <laughs> isn't a hit... It's your fault. That's right. When we find the body of Carl Smith, it's your fault. All right. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Carl D. Smith. We'll have that right in the notes for this show. Absolutely. Well. Thank you, Carl, for your sponsorship. You're too goddamn sweet to us. We both watched Venom. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I thought it was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> really? You liked it? Venom. All right. I don't really care about Venom. I don't really care about Venom either. I, I, I've enjoyed some Venom comics, but like if Venom went away tomorrow f- from comics forever, I Whatever. wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. That said, you know, I thought that the movie was fun. It's not good. It is not good. It, but it's silly. It's pretty fucking far from good. And it leans into the silliness. See, you know, here's the thing. I didn't think it did. Casey kept turning to me and going, is this a comedy? Is this supposed to be? And every time Venom said anything, Casey laughed. <laughs> Anytime he said anything, like it was supposed to be scary. You're like, we are here with you, blah, 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 whatever. See, and that's, she just that's not chuckling. the tone that they went for. They went like pure 90s, that, I want to eat your brains, Venom totally. cheese. And, and that's why it worked for me. See, I, I couldn't tell what they were trying to do. It's like... So uh, the they f- wanted to make it a horror movie, but not so much horror. So it's rated PG thirteen. They wanted to make it hard edged and mean, but not so hard as mean that you can't laugh at the character. They wanted to make him scary and he eats people, but you never actually see him eat anyone. And for some reason, he really likes Michelle Williams. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> hey, you know, like they uh, couldn't decide what to do with the character. Yeah, I mean, I agree there that that maybe they kind of pumped the brakes on some of the content. Totally. And trying it, to reach a, a wider audience. It started off like really like this is going to be hard and it's going to be spooky and it's going to be scary. And then instantly it was like, I'm in black with my full marbles. That accent. I don't know. They were in San Francisco and it's like, where the fuck are you supposed well, to be Well, he's from, from New York. Okay, okay fine. 
New York via Australia or something. Sure. And his accent came and went. Came and went. It's, it's <laughs> so, so the first half of the movie uh, is trying to be kind of serious. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Eddie gets the costume and they decide, oh, let's be as stupid yeah. as Tom Hardy has been this entire movie. It almost, yeah, it almost goes like screwball. Like at they, that they point. embrace, like Tom Hardy gives. It all his I I his performance, I thought his was, really performance good. was great. It was really good. It and was it's, wasted. It's here. wacky. It's totally wasted here. See, and like Michelle Williams, she was really good. Her performance is completely wasted. There is no script. This was so nineties. It was so fucking nineties. <laughs> yes, so, they're basically fighting evil Elon Musk. Yes, who, Riz Ahmed who, who from Star kills, Wars Rogue One, who kills people just because you know, sort of science. But I'm also an asshole. Uh, I think you mean science. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> he has he has brought the suit from space. I guess they yes. It, the they scene brought, opens with this ridiculous looking spaceship that's like right out of the nineties. <laughs> Crash. It was very clear what happened, the, but they don't explain like where they found it. Yes, or they do. Where, Were you high again watching no, this movie? Where did the, where did they say? They said that they uh, the exploration team encountered a comet, and on the comet they found millions of organisms. How? Did they jump onto the comet? Look, dude, Did I don't know. Did they walk on the comet? A comet's just a ball of ice they pulled up to the comet space. and they found some stuff. They, but it's like just we're in the ship. Like we encountered a comet and we found this. What the fuck does that mean? Did it fart out of the comet? Did the comet puke on the ship? I mean, like, come on. It means they were <laughs> examining the comet and they found Did life forms. They barely wrote this movie. They yes, barely yeah, wrote it. Matt, I'm conceding that this it's very slight. It's very, uh, it's not good. No, no. But it is fun, and I had fun watching it. I, I, there were moments, like I will say Venom looked really cool. It doesn't make any sense why Venom looks like that if Venom was never part of Spider-Man. Well, but, there's no big spider. No, but I'm saying he's still got the spider eyes and everything. He's got craggly white eyes. Yeah, but they're, the take on the spider eyes, why does he have those? <sighs> What would you prefer? I would prefer he infected Tom Holland, and we saw a movie where Spider-Man <laughs> fought off Venom because Tom Holland was such a good guy, and we introduced Fantastic Four in the Marvel Universe with it. Bang! That's what I would prefer. This standalone bullshit where Venom meets Venom, and then Venom and Venom have a fight, but guess what? Venom wins. I mean, like, Riot, whatever that Riot. character... Oh. Yes, the symbiotes all have very bad names. Oh my god! If you're an alien, <laughs> Earth named names, Riot. Yeah, bad nineties like, Earth an names. An alien named Venom. You know, like <laughs> what the fuck? Let's address the the how it fits or doesn't fit. Uh, they don't really do anything to give you any hint that is a larger connection to any sort no, of universe, other than a Stanley spot. Uh, they do say that the astronaut that survives is named Jameson, which uh, is a nod to John Jameson. You know, I'm sure we'll get Werewolf by Night in the next one, right? Uh, he, I'm sorry, he was Man Wolf. Oh, he was Man Wolf. Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> but uh, you go to the moon, you turn into a werewolf. <laughs> that's what happens, man. It's a bad idea. Uh, but yeah, it did. Uh, it did have several nods to things in Venom's own continuity. Like they mentioned, he was a disgraced reporter. Sure. From the Daily Globe, run sure. out of New York. But there's nothing Spider-Man. There's nothing. Mar this no, feels no. completely disconnected. Completely in its own little '90s vessel. I mean, it just. I am shocked at the lack of effort that seemed to go into <laughs> this movie. Oh, I want to talk about. Um, Venom eating people. Yeah. Uh, a, a few weeks back, you went on sort of this uh, insane tangent about it was a whether quest, or not it was a quest Eddie probe. Brock is eating people. <laughs> yes, it was a quest probe is what I uh, A quest probe. <laughs> uh, so Eddie Brock is six feet tall. Right. Venom is like eight feet tall. At least. Venom appears to be 10 to 12 feet tall at some So place. there's a lot of space in there. Okay, fine. Whatever. I'm not getting back I, into so that. So like, I, I thought of it specifically during the movie. I'm like, oh, well, the symbiote eats the, eats the brain. Sure. Eddie's just in there. Like, but the oh, symbiote shit. didn't eat anyone. We did not see the symbiote eat anybody. Yes. Talked about it a lot. No, he ate at least two people. Mm -mm. Yes, he did. Talked about it a lot. We never saw him eat anyone. And so what is he doing? Yes, we did. He eats the guy at the end. In the bodega. Okay, I guess. And he, yeah, ate, he ate at, another, at least one other guy earlier in the movie. No. I, he definitely did. Didn't. Yes. It was like the Texas he Chainsaw Master did. remake where we never saw anyone get killed with a chainsaw. 
I'm sorry I didn't have enough massacring for you. Well, then I'm just saying, like, if you're going to do it, do it. Lean into it and do it. And they didn't. They almost made Venom scary. They almost made Venom badass. They almost, you know, it's like, it was, the PG-13 was the biggest mistake they could have made. They should have, they should have taken an example from the Deadpool movie. Yes. You could have learned from Deadpool and just said, you know what? Fuck it. If the movie's going to have a script this vacant, gore fest. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I agree with that. I agree with that. Like, what are you, are you really trying to capture some sort of teen market? Right. Just make it rated R. The teens are going to see it anyway. The teens all went and saw fucking Deadpool. Right. It made a million billion dollars. Uh, so yeah, they, they made a mistake dialing back. Yeah. They neutered it. Um, not that I, not that I'm necessarily pushing for a gore fest, but, but it could have been, you may as well. It was, this is the place for a to character with a mouthful of teeth. Right. The movie was kind of that toothless. eats people. Yeah. Like that, it was, yeah. Uh, and, uh, the end fight between Venom and the other evil symbiote. I could not have cared less. Why didn't they just make him a different color? <laughs> Seriously. You couldn't even tell who was fighting who in some parts. At least in Iron Man. And they both had similar voices. Yeah. And like, why were they mad at each other? I don't, I, I don't even really know. Oh, uh, he was like, uh, he was like, on my planet, I was kind of a loser like you. Like, shut up. What are we doing here? So Riot wanted to it's like Jar Jar Binks getting kicked out because he's clumsy. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you just didn't fucking write anything. Riot wanted to bring all the symbiotes to Earth and conquer. And Venom was like, no way. I like this place. And then and then Riot wanted to get in a spaceship and fly away. He wanted to go get the rest of the symbiotes. He's going to get in the spaceship and fly to the planet of the symbiotes. That's what the spaceship was for. I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, did they discuss that? Yes, yes, they did. Exactly like, I don't. You're you're talking about things missing from the story, but all of this stuff, it's so painfully. Uh, I agree. Predictably laid out, paint by numbers. I, I totally yeah, agree. Like, it, but like in the end, it's like so. Evil Elon Musk had this spaceship that was already built, and then Riot was going to get in evil Elon Musk and get in the spaceship and they're going to take a full on fucking interplanetary journey yeah. <laughs> to the planet of the symbiotes. Well, to, to, the, com- to the comet at least. And then, yeah, to the, okay, to the comet. Then they're going to get on the comet and they're going to fly back. <laughs> like, I don't, it's self-explanatory. God, they didn't write this at all. <laughs> it's like, like I said, it's stupid. The Venom it movie is stupid it was stupid but it's also very silly and i think that by the time you get the venom on venom action it knows how silly it is I and, suppose. It, and it embraces it and it leans into it and you know they were like look we, we don't have anything else to do with this we just how about venom fights venom and they're like yeah fuck it yeah like at least in the iron man movie iron monger was yeah gray and huge and iron man was red yeah and iron man and was so- half the size and they looked different it was a big robot versus it's like robocop you know yeah big robot fighting robocop that is interesting big robot yes. has guns on his arms and shit. this was this was a a, a blackish gray guy fighting a slightly different shade of blackish gray right guy. with the same voice <laughs> and they have the same powers like why are you even hurting each other i don't get it you know like venom is bulletproof essentially so this guy makes a knife and cuts venom and venom's like ow you know like <laughs> what, what is the deal like are there rules? They never set up any fucking rules in well, this like, movie. Well, like being bulletproof is one thing, but if a s- dude with super strength and a giant shiv f- shoves it into your chest, it's gonna go through. Yeah, but if you're liquid, whatever, just I don't know, fucking blip, you know. Or <laughs> look, man, I don't know. I don't have all the venom answers. Uh, a fun thing was revealed. They finally revealed why venom has so much green saliva. <laughs> And it's because that is the waste excreting from his body. Venom shits out of his mouth. When he absorbs bullets and stuff. You're telling me Venom shits out of his mouth. Yes. Yeah, so, so Venom is constantly shitting out of his own mouth. That is disgusting. Okay. I will say on a, on a lighter note, I have caught up on the Venom series. It's fucking excellent. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it and I great. really wish they would have let Donnie Cates do something like that. You know, just Donnie Cates is doing something like that. No, I mean in the movie. Oh. And, and like, I don't know. It just, it didn't deliver. The setup was stupid. It has nothing to do with Spider-Man whatsoever. It, it, like, and it made a ton of money because America is dumb. And just went, oh, you see the teeth. is like, I'm done. You roll around like a turd. Bleh. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck off. Listen, 
All right, we need to wrap it up because we're rambling, and you do need to put a spoiler warning yeah. before the oh, no. segment. We, because... we already warned him we were going to go full spoilers. We're giving everybody a week. And we're yes, full but spoilers. we didn't say it in this episode. Is there anything to spoil? Is there one moment in this movie? I'm just curious. <laughs> I want you to pick. I challenge you right now. Pick a part of the movie and spoil it for someone who hasn't watched it. She-Venom. I didn't expect that to happen. Is it Shriek or is it She-Venom? Shriek is a different character. Okay, fair enough. Was it the little girl or was it the Asian lady? What? There was the Asian lady that was infected? No, no, it was the girlfriend. It was Michelle Williams, remember? Oh, yeah. That was fucking dumb. <laughs> that was fucking dumb. And that was the other thing. It was like, I'm Venom. I am evil. I am scary. And I am here to do whatever. But the second I meet your girlfriend, oh, she's really nice. I like her. Oh, you know what? We should hang out with her more. And in fact, I'm going to be a good guy. I think I like it on Earth. Earth is all right. Let's, yeah. be, let's be good. I know. Hilarious. Instant character switch. You know? <laughs> what in the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he changed his mind pretty fast. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Wrap it up. Obviously, go Leave ahead. And give Don't watch this. Don't do it. See, wait, steal it from the internet or, you know, like some I watched a shitty cam version of it <laughs> and I didn't feel like I missed anything. <laughs> I said it at the beginning. It's not a good movie, but it's silly and ridiculous. And if you lean into it, if you go into it, expecting it to be the sort of thing that we ate up as kids. Sure. I had a good time watching I it. I guess I wish they would have done that. If you're going to do a bad movie like this. Let's just really do it. Take it all the way. Lean the fuck into it, man. You know, and they didn't. They tried to like, it's a, it's a superhero movie. It's kind of scary. It's kind of funny. And like, yeah, uh, you're right. There's a big fight scene. All of those things. <laughs> so all of those things that you said are right. It's just, it depends on your mood going into it. I, I mean, suppose. I'd say. I so, wish it was worse so I could have enjoyed it more. Sure. Uh, I'm giving it a watch it because I think it's worth seeing. Some lazy Sunday afternoon. God, don't buy it. Whatever no. you do, God no. Like, don't go. Don't go spending twenty bucks on the Blu-ray. Oh, just God. rent it from Redbox or whatever. How would you like to be the poor bastard that has to write the sequel to this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, what the hell do you do? <laughs> did your illegally pirated version uh, include the credit cookie? <laughs> no, it did not. <gasps> It was glorious. <laughs> what was the credit cookie? I don't remember. I read. I even read about it. I don't remember what it was. Uh, so the credit cookie is uh, Eddie going to uh, some prison uh, to interview. Oh, Mac Gargan. No, Cletus Cassidy. Oh. Uh, who, as you know from the comics, is Carnage. Another character I don't give a shit about. Uh, and he was played by Woody Harrelson, which I did not know was going to be Holy in the shit. movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know it was Woody Harrelson. I knew Carnage showed up, but I didn't know. Yeah, and he's got this ridiculous red wig. He looked like they showed him from the back at first. Are they really setting up part two, Venom versus Venom again? Yeah, R Venom versus Red Venom. Uh. <laughs> uh, and from the back, I thought, oh shit, did they cast Carrot Top as Cletus Cassidy? <laughs> That would have been because that was, I would have been like fuck yeah. It was like that <laughs> level of poofy red stupid wig right. looking carrot top hair. That would have been awesome. And then he turned around and it was Woody Harrelson and I laughed out loud in the theater. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it a watch it, but don't go out of your way. Don't spend big money on owning the Good DVD. God no. But yeah, it's worth seeing on a Sunday afternoon when you got nothing else going on. I want to eat your brain. Spider sense tingling. So there you go. Our double headed reviews of DC's Titans and. I don't even know if it's Marvel's Venom. Is it Marvel's Venom? Uh, it's it Venom's Sony. Venom? It's Sony. Sony's Venom. In let's, association with Marvel. Let's let Sony own that exactly one. what it said Sony's in the title. Sony's Venom. Credits. We would love to hear what you kids think about it. Call us. We'll talk about it on cover to cover. Or, you know, head over to the forums. See you about it there. Excelsior. Oh. <laughs> that is it. DGen 502. But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick, I need you to ask the nerds a new question of the week all right this week's question comes from our latest goocher that's right a new goocher trevor via the thn forums that's like three goochers in a row yeah the guys are killing it or we just need more friends <laughs> that, that might be well, there's three people that listen to the show <laughs> trevor asks Halloween is fast approaching, so let's get spooky. Ooh. This month, we'll see yet another return of Michael Myers. Super excited. The Annabelle doll will still be conjuring up trouble next year. I didn't love Annabelle. And Chucky will soon be returning to play with another child. I'm going to have to fucking see it. I love the wordplay in this question. It's enough to make me wonder what horror or monster movie franchise needs to be laid six feet under. Oh. 
bonus question. What franchise should be risen from the grave? I like it. Murder one and then raise one. I yeah. dig it. I don't know anything about horror movies, so I this is going to be tough. dig it. That'll be a fun one. THN is a listener-supported podcast. We want to thank everyone that throws money into the wood chipper that is this show by donating on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we cannot afford our replacement tubes for our arcane sound system. Because the tubes, they get hot. And I still don't really know how the tubes factor in. They, so they're basically fuses. Okay. That's, that doesn't make any more sense, yeah, but okay. That's how all stereos and guitar amps used to work. Tubes. Like the internet. Just like the internet. Before we go, <laughs> our weekly shout-out goes to our buddy Jim Kettner, who just released the first issue of his new comic, Adult Crash. We've read it. I forgot to bring it with me. I'm sorry. God damn it. I've read it. It's outstanding. You can check it out at ketnerd.com and keep your ears tuned for a special interview with the man himself coming soon to a podcast near you. Where do you get? Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just crawl up your butt and control you like a puppet. This is the Two-Headed Nerd. Signing. That's the thing I didn't expect. That's how venom infects people. Yeah, yeah. Up the butts. <laughs> <laughs>